you don't read the newspaper, you're uninformed. If you do read it, you're misinformed. What is the long-term effect of too much information? Information, information, I just need some information. I've been dying, I've been dying, is it lack of education? I've been reading, I've been reading without any transformation. I'm addicted, I'm addicted, is it overstimulation? Hey. Welcome to the Success Report. The Success Report. Hear ye, hear ye, come one, come all. You are listening to The Sixth Sense Report with Joel Nikoloff and Darnell Samuels. Man, I, I, I think we're, we're technically, this is going to be our first third guest or our guest appearing for the third time. Is that, uh, I think I might be correct there. I think we've had a couple two-timers and, and IJ will technically be a third appearance on the show. He's in, he's in the elite class. <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a pleasure to be here. It's an honor to to be here with you guys, Joel and Darnell. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for coming. And actually, this is our this is going to be our 150th episode. Wow. Yeah, it comes out. So, yeah. So there you go, man. You're special. I'm honored. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so you know, our, our listeners are familiar with you. Um, if they're not, uh, they can check out. Um, Episode 118, IJ Macan Moves, doing big things. So if you don't know about them, uh, yeah, check out episode uh, 118. But uh, for, for, this, for this episode, uh, we wanted your expertise as you live in Ottawa. And, of course, the, uh, the trucker convoy and all, and all the drama that went on with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we just wanted to know, like, what was your take? on the government uh, confiscating the Freedom Convoy's mm. money. Yeah, I mean, I was, at the, I was at the convoy, at the Freedom Convoy a few times. And in my experience, but I was there on the ground, boots on the ground. There was none of this, the way that MSM portrayed it, the mainstream media portrayed it, made it seem like it was dangerous to walk down, right? If I were to walk down as a colored person, I would get attacked. I walked out and there was nothing. Like, Everybody was waving, you know, talking to each other, giving out food, kids. It was, an, it, was, it was a totally different vibe than what you were getting on the, on the mainstream media. And so when I, you know, and then the way that it was being portrayed in the media clearly seemed to have an effect on what the, um, uh, the liberal government, the steps that the liberal government took. And I think that that was scary to me when that happened. So when when the emergency act passed, right, and it was the first time since 1988 that it got passed, and there was no war, and the reasoning they provided was had nothing to do with violence, right? They stated that it was there was hate speech, people with uh, people with um, opinions that were uh, that were not good, and so once that happened, um, <clears throat> and we had the we had the government asking banks to freeze accounts and then they reached out to crypto companies to try to freeze accounts of people involved in the convoy that was a big no no for me that 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 took me completely by surprise and it was something that i've i have spoken about before uh not on a podcast but i i'd, I'd written about it before where written about it where I'm trying to remember where I wrote it. It might have been on my Facebook about a year and a half, two years ago. Oh, I thought about, I thought you meant your blog. Your blog that you. Had. No, I don't think I've written this on my blog yet. But I had written about the 
on the 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 incoming unbanking that was going to happen, and that's essentially what happened here, right? So we had seen for the past few years deplatforming of people who had dissenting opinions, right, from social media. Obviously, the most notorious one being、uh, Donald Trump, who got removed from Twitter permanently. Even though we have terrorist groups still on Twitter,、um, but Donald Trump got removed, and so, and then during that, even during his the the election, there were some things that big techs, some of the big tech companies were doing that I just couldn't fathom that they would do. Right, PayPal, for example, would、uh, remove the services from you know certain clothing companies that were selling, say, pro Trump shirts. Now, whether you like Trump or not, right? That's beside the point. The point、different、here is, yeah, it's a totally different. But here, PayPal was removing its services, so now these companies could no longer accept payment. And then one step further, and this is where it really, this is where it got very scary. It's that the centralized platforms like Shopify started removing shops from their from Shopify. So there was one particular company that was selling a.、Uh, Make America Great shirt, and that whole and that shop was making you know I forget how many thousands of dollars a month, leading up to the election, and then when Shopify found out, I don't know how they found out, they just completely banned that, deplatformed that store. And the reason this is important is when this was happening, the conversation for most people was like, oh well, should this happen? This is HP. No, no, no. The real conversation was. How far will this will this go? And if the government gets involved, how far will this go? And now we've seen it, which is which is crazy to me that in a first world or in a developed country, in a in a in a, in a democratic country, we have the government deplatforming or unbanking her citizens. Un unbanking. Yeah, unbanking. Is, is is that the term? So、uh, he's he's playing on some terms. So unbank、okay. is what you would refer to. You know, let's say people in the third world who don't have de-banking. access. De-banking is probably more accurate, right? So, unbanked is is a term, let's say, that's been thrown around. Dar- or, IJ, what did you just say? De-banking is probably more accurate. Yeah. So, so he's playing on the fact that we've taken banked people and made them unbanked by not allowing them access. I, de-banking, I think you're probably right, is a better term. Yeah, just like de-platforming. I think so. That's scary. Yeah. So when the Canadian, when the Liberal government started requesting these companies to. Debank certain individuals, and I know individuals who have who had their accounts frozen, and that's a scary thing. And they gave you know not under under two hundred dollars to the Freedom Convoy, and they had their they had their bank freeze the account. Just think about that. This is somebody I know. Like these are people I know, and to live you can't go to the grocery store. No cash. No, because, assuming it's. You have a credit card and bank account. All of it's frozen. It's no. All of it's、working. frozen. They couldn't pull out anything. They couldn't use it online. They they couldn't pull out from the ATM.、Uh, you know, what I was gonna say,、um, IJ, like or Angel.、Uh, I don't know what day it was, but there was a day where I don't know、um, my RBC. I bank with RBC,、um, <laughs> and it wasn't working. And、oh, I think a lot of people were kind of complaining. Everybody was complaining that hey, how come? How come these? How come my bank? Bank is down. Why is my online banking down?、Mm. Um, so this, if I'm not mistaken, IJ, maybe you have a different take on this. Yeah, it was also around the probably the same day. There was a spike in Google searches for、uh, like bank runs, and、That's、and essentially, I'll, I'll tell you straight up, 
when all of this sorry, happened. Sorry, Joel. Sorry, Joel. But what's a bank run? Uh, so bank runs would be, without getting too deep in, historically, when there's a concern, let's say, when, when people have a, you know, let's say war is about to happen, people would be like, I need to have cash in case I need, you know, be. So people would go to the bank and t- pull out cash. But if people actually understand the way the system works, there's less the dollars, like actual cash dollars, than there are amount balances in people's bank accounts. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So if you pull all the money out of the bank account to the point where, or sorry, the bank, the point that if you went to the bank and said, can I get $20? They go, well, we don't have any. What do you mean you don't have any? I have $20 in my bank account. So a bank run is the idea of like so many people go to the bank to withdraw cash such as the bank no longer has cash to fulfill bank balances. Mm-hmm. So the terminology of bank run, and I would say a whole bunch of people were logging into their accounts. Probably, did I get frozen? I tweeted something favorably for this mm-hmm. you know, convoy. Am I going to get my bank mo-? Like, So I think a whole bunch of people were like the banking activity was massive. Mm-hmm. Personally, I didn't donate, but I was like, you know, if you look at my Twitter, my Instagram, my Facebook, I'm relatively pro convoy, anti government, um, or critical of government is probably a better way of putting it. I I moved cash. I t- I literally took a significant portion of cash and was like, I do not want this in my bank account right now. I need to be able to protect it from from tyrannical government. Mm-hmm. So I, I think the day that that was happening, when when IJ's friend's account got frozen, a number of people were like, uh, "I need to do something substantial. I need to wire money out. I need to move money to investments or or crypto." As mm-hmm. we'll we'll get and into I, a little bit. I know a few people like yourself, Joel, who went to the bank and pulled out as much money as they can. Um, they could, I should say, and that's what they did. And that's the, mm. that's the scary part is the fact that, so, I mean, if we're really talking about anonymous money, cash is the most anonymous money, right? Like all illegal activities were done with cash for a number of decades, decades, um, or centuries. And so like with, with the, and, and, but for the most part, most of us in a democratic, you know, developed world have moved most of our financial transaction on uh, digitally, right? We hardly use cash. Most people hardly use cash, I should say. Right. Um, And so to have, and Canada is not known for having a variety of banks, right? Canada has made banking extremely- We have a cartel. Centralized. Centralized and extremely difficult for people to break through, whereas America is kind of different, right? There's a lot more competition. Yeah, it's independent. Yeah, and so we have, Five major banks. We have the we have TD, CIBC, RBC, and and a few others. But for all five of them, all five major ones, to collude with the government to restrict the movement of money of the citizens is absolutely terrifying. I, I think I don't think people really understand how terrifying it is until you ask them. Okay, let's say you were on the other side. Let's say this was the Black Lives Matter protest, and then we, you know, the government said, actually, everybody who gave to Black Lives Matter, uh, GoFundMe, 
will have their bank account frozen because of, because some people have been destroying <laughs> yeah because of property rights never, violations yo, you yeah because of yeah because of property yo, destruction that could right? never happen bro <laughs> yes yo, yo black yo, but darnell darnell actually you're you're hitting on you're actually touching the point on its head and i'll i'll, I'll unpack in a second but sorry ij yeah like that can never happen i'm, I'm just saying yeah like yeah, the point that ij's making i get it yeah like like we know in theory they could, you could never you could you crazy you could you gonna freeze black people bank account come on man <laughs> but Turn i mean that's the up. thing right it's 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 not that like whoever whoever it would be like whoever gave to the black lives matter could be black white blue purple green right the, all their banks account get frozen and that's mm. scary that's very very scary to have a to have a government have the ability to for, essentially force is probably yeah i guess force would be the proper to force to, um financial institutions to restrict the movement of money of the uh, of their customers without due process without due process and here's a crazy thing right I don't, you guys saw like when give send goes website got hacked right all the information got leaked and some yes. ding some dingbat took that CSV file or whatever Google file Maps. it was and then uploaded it onto onto mm-hmm. Google Maps and created that um, yeah, created that yeah, Google okay. Map where you could track hold everybody. That, hold that thought hold that thought, I Before we go there, um yeah. I just wanted to get both of your opinions, both of your two cents on what should happen to the ten million plus that was confiscated. Because right now the government's like, okay, great. Um, it's a windfall. Uh, <laughs> we're going to build some roads. What are we going to do? Uh, so what well, do you guys think about yeah, that? Yeah, so, well, just for correction, it was technically, it was never in the possession of the government. If I understand correctly, uh, it's now been refunded, not from Give, Send, Go, but the original one was refunded. GoFundMe, yeah. From uh, GoFundMe. And the, the exception being there was a million dollars and just for argument's sake, let's say it's in Tamara's account, Tamara yeah. Leach's account. There's a million dollars there that's currently frozen. And then the rest is with an American company who told the Canadian government, you have no jurisdiction over us. So um, what, what potentially does relate is when the Ottawa mayor said, oh, we're going to sell the trucks mm. from these truckers and mm-hmm. co- that we confiscated and use that to reimburse businesses that we've closed. I mean, that closed for the last two weeks. Um mm. And not because they've been, def- you know, closed for two and a half years or two years from government. Yeah. So, yeah, I I, yeah just a the clarification. But, but technically, your question is, well, what should happen is, I think what happened with GoFundMe, if you turn around and deem this fundraising campaign to be a problem, send the money back. Mm-hmm. And they weren't, initially, they weren't going to send it back, right? Yeah. Yeah. Initially, they were going to take that money and distribute it. To, to nonprofits as they as they saw fit as GoFundMe decided that's so essentially, essentially stealing GoFundMe people's money stole the money but then there was so well what's great is and I think we might have mentioned this before the reason the money went back if I'm not mistaken one was DeSantis in Florida said he was going to go after them with his attorney general mm-hmm. but two people were told well raise a, a a problem with your bank and it'll be a fifteen dollar fee to GoFundMe. Well, it would have worked out that GoFundMe would have had a bigger fee than the total amount that they had confiscated mm. for every per donor had done yeah. the fifteen dollar challenge or had done the challenge because there were so many donors. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, okay. Now, yeah. Now, now back to your um your previous point. 
about sorry what was it um, about the well I, I was it was just the fact that it got you know people's information got leaked yes yeah yeah the leaking of the information um yeah and and people's you know people's information were doxed essentially and it's in because so before, before we go there i'm sorry yeah. I, I do want to unpack this is where go back to what we just discussed about the government freezing these assets mm, mm-hmm. i have been saying this on the show in personal conversations a lot we do not want government to have power that we would give to our, we would want our like that we would think our worst political enemy yeah. shouldn't have mm-hmm. right so when darnell's laughing about oh they would never freeze the black person's bank accounts you're right but this is the point the the if you allow the politician to have that power well now you are dependent upon a benevolent dictator or a benevolent politician mm-hmm. to be in charge of the power but if the power itself requires a benevolent person well then we are we should know out of the wisdom of history no politician should have such power mm-hmm. and that's where the idea of due process being such a fundamental critique, right? If the government could do this with a warrant from a judge demonstrating blah, 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 criteria, Mm -hmm. it's a different conversation. But when Mm -hmm. the government says, oh, this protest that is a constitutional right is no longer legal because we declare it so, then we can also do this other thing that totally violates every other aspect of rights. Mm -hmm. And and to add to that point, I think it's, it's scary when you hear the justice minister David um, David Lamenti when he went on uh, on the news and stated that anybody who oh. contributed to a pro in quotes a pro Trump movement should be worried about their bank accounts being frozen and that because they and they would be facing more consequences that is terrifying right. This is the justice minister saying this on public television, on, on national television. He's What's essentially that's... announcing authoritarian or yeah. authoritarian state. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and but still, I, I, I'm I'm still shocked at the fact that most people, most uh, most people is not um, anecdotally, people that I have spoken with about this didn't see this as a big concern. Right. Mm. That's that that itself is a red flag for me, where people have become so sedated with um, how the how the government's running, the, how politicians are running the country, that people are blinded by how tyrannical it's, it's becoming. Yeah. And now, would you would you say those people were relatively like, you know, pro COVID measures? Um. To an extent, yes. Because so to an extent. I, I, so like, I was thinking that a lot of that might have been based on, you know, the propaganda that the government has put forward about this convoy. Yeah. Right? The fact that, yeah. you know, they've been totally misrepresented, as you demonstrated or discussed earlier, based mm-hmm. on what you experienced versus what you saw. And I would say every single person who I've heard talk has said the same thing in 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 this sort of summary is I had to go check it out for myself, and what I heard on the media and what I saw in person were two totally different things. Two totally different. Yeah, it is. And or like you know, I, I was on. We we've discussed before, earlier up until very recent, up until maybe a year or so ago. I was I was pro 
locked down to an extent because we didn't know what was happening. And yeah, then the first once, time you appeared on the show, we were on different ends of the spectrum yeah, on this. And now we're not so much, we're on the same <laughs> side, right? And so this, the people that I've spoken with are, are not hardcore lockdown. Lockdown. They're just in the middle. They're just like, okay, we're doing this because these experts know better than me. Therefore, I'll agree with it and do it. But some have actually been on the other side, right? They're not pro lockdown. They'll just, they're just, when this whole thing happened, they, they assumed that the people downtown at the Freedom Convoy were all, you know, Nazi swastika waivers, as Justin Trudeau says. But that was not the case. That was just simply not the case. And the more, the more one ponders on how, for three weeks, the Freedom Convoy was up here, and Justin Trudeau, refu- the leader of this country, refused to speak to these people. But when this, the, our current um, worldwide political situation in Ukraine and Russia is happening, Justin Trudeau flies out to the UK, gives a speech about individual sovereignty. That's the, that's the peak of hypocrisy, right? This guy, <laughs> this guy's head is probably made of, I don't know what it's made of, like copper or something. Like, you know, when, he, when, he, when he's leading a country, he freezes the assets of people who disagree with him, but then outwardly, internationally, he speaks about individual sovereignty. And you think, so we really do have someone who is unable to see the effects of some of the measures he's put in place. Yeah. And, and I think that like in light of, you know, the violation of people's privacy, um, uh, that, that is a, that is a criminal offense. Uh, and, and, and isn't it isn't necessarily that um, that the government did that? Like you said, somebody hacked the account and spread the information. But um, um, Candace Malcolm was talking was showing um, journalists on on social media. I'll have that. I'll have that link in the show notes page. The view video will be queued up to the time frame when that happened too. Hmm. Yeah, and so she was saying she was showing like uh, numerous journalists um, exposing. Uh, people's private information, mm, um, yep. exposing, hey, okay, this person um, donated this much um, and they live here, mm-hmm. right? So, so you saw some of that going on on social media. And, and at that point, like, right, that's, that's when you shut down an account, right? Um, mm-hmm. Because that's a violation of someone's privacy with the doxing. Yeah, doxing, Twitter for would those, normally... Yeah, um, yeah, that's right. Uh, for those of you who don't know what doxing is, um, the definition is... Um, Doxing is the act of publicly revealing previously private personal information about an individual or organization, usually via the internet. Mm-hmm. Uh, so even like that term doxing, like you ask the average person, they'll be like, what, what's that? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but we live in the age where now we have to consider like, okay, our private information, we're always entering it online mm-hmm. and then it gets exposed. Uh, so it, it was just one of those things where, you know, at least, you know, government could have, uh, you know, Trudeau could at least denounced it and said, hey, look, yeah, we're not about that life, so cut it out. Um, well, instead, yeah, like, very sad. CBC was like jumping all over it. They were, without doxing anyone, they were exploiting the doxing. Oh, they were yes. for sure. You know what if they I, did? They, didn't they call people for comment? They did. They called <laughs> the same people, the same people that I know whose, whose information got leaked, CBC reached out to them. So your said, friends or yeah. your contacts who yeah. had their account frozen yep. had CBC call them yep. 
for comment. For comment as to why they gave money. <laughs> and I also Yo, know of that's wild. other people who, it wasn't CBC, but the, their local, because this was their local news reached out to them asking them why they gave them why they gave money and this is we're talking about the news you know cbc is probably the largest fake news i like it's one the most distrustful news organization to me like the more some of the things that have happened seem highly unethical but you know i don't know why it is that canadians love cbc and you guys could probably give me a good reason why canadians continue to love cbc but yeah, but I think I, I think I can answer that a little bit, um, just because I, I see it um, firsthand uh, within my family, um, especially um, you know just the older generation. And I said it on the last show um, when I talked about my my trip to the to the convoy that um, you know there's a generation of people that grew up with CTV, um, City Pulse. Um, and even my grandparents like it's funny that's all they watch is the news. I remember as a kid. Growing up, that's all they watched was the news, and and so like you know we're in a generation now where people like there's there's um individual journalists right um who who independent journalism, and we know that like we live in an age where yeah you can find your independent journalists anywhere YouTube Twitter podcasting blogging whatever um but there's still a generation even even um millennials who don't even know yet where the only outlet they know is CP24 and part of that is the bombardment of the screen um the screen time right like think about it everywhere you turn there's a screen like even in the elevator right in the elevator you're getting your updates your cons even like even like even the other day I started getting these updates on my phone from some news outlet that I'm like wait why is this even activated but people need the discernment to be able to say okay I'm making a conscious decision to to decipher what's going on and looking at other outlets and at least balancing you know your 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 content with right and left content and knowing the difference between the two um and being able to find the faults between the right and the left to discern what's going on yeah i think you are right about that it it would be hard to break out of essentially what seems like a matrix for older generation if that is what they grew up in and if that's what they've been relying for 40 50 years to because once you're in it you don't really notice the difference right the changes that have taken place because it's so slow and ever evolving yeah it's, it's like tim it's like tim hortons right it's not it's not the coffee's the coffee's absolutely terrible so moving moving in, in a, so, in a so, slight different I, I just i want to say with cbc so the canadian taxpayer foundation just launched a, a defund the cbc and end media bailout huh? mm-hmm. and apparently like they've had a couple uh uh petitions that have done really well mm-hmm. this one alone had got fifty thousand signatures in a week and and wow. there was a I was listening to a I want to say it was an interview on uh, True North but I could be wrong like Andrew Lawton or something I'll have to see if I can find it but they were saying like that quickly to get that many signatures mm. is uncommon mm. and so yeah well we'll see well we'll see how we'll oh, see I, what the not, result not is if it actually right. so and and I was gonna say I think the problem with CBC is a little bit of what you said sort of the legacy right like for me as a hockey player you got. CBC's Hockey Night in Canada that's like this nostalgia thing 
But I think also because we're so bombarded with like American TV and American content, I think a lot of people have this like sense that without a government funded Canadian, you know, entity, we would yeah. lose all sort of herit- her- heritage or, or Canadians, you know, content. Um, and, and I just think it's, you know, um, poor thinking as opposed to, um, you know, not to say that there isn't some level of like, a, it's a reasonable concern. Hey, how do we make sure Canadian content is, is, you know, fostered and grows and doesn't just get snuffed out by American content mm-hmm. and, and preserve our culture. Uh, but clearly, you know, CBC has gone from any sort of heritage focus to a propaganda. Yeah, that's essentially it. <laughs> that's probably the yeah. best way to put it. Now, now moving in a, a slightly different direction uh, in regards to the convoy and the bank accounts being frozen, it brought up the conversation of uh, cryptocurrency in Bitcoin. Uh, and in, there was an article from CBC talking about there, there was funds that were, that was sent through crypto and those were also frozen. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Do you want to speak on that a bit uh, as you know, you're a crypto guy as well. Agree or disagree with our views? Give us your two cents. You can leave your comments on any of our social media platforms or email us at sixcentsreport at gmail.com. Six cents makes cheap. Six cents makes cheap. Six cents makes cheap. Uh, well, yeah, so what ended up happening was certain central exchanges um, got on board, and I think out of pressure is what I'm understanding got on board with what the Canadian government said and said and and implemented that they would they would freeze the assets of people who have who the Canadian government deemed as at that point terrorists right that's what the Canadian that's what the liberal government called some people who participated in the freedom convoy as terrorists um so they did do that and the reason Which that was I, possible, I would say they did that because they wanted to lever leverage terrorist finance legislation yeah. i think and and even the way that they spoke about it, they said this is foreign this is foreign funded which turns out just a few days ago uh the f- head of fintrack came out and said actually this is not foreign funded this is like 89 percent canadians who gave this money mm-hmm. um but the reason it's possible is because these are centralized exchanges right they're not they're a crypto company but essentially they're not decentralized and and a lot of them are still part of fintrack or they have to be signed. They have to uh, be a member of FinTrack, I believe, and and that's why when you buy cryptocurrency on exchanges, you have to do your KYC or know your customer stuff, right? Where you send in your passport, the first page of your passport, or a government issued ID, so that the central exchange can say, okay, this is a real person. We can document it, and then they are allowed to connect their bank account, um, which is which makes it easy, which makes it more accessible for people who are newer to cryptocurrencies because right now there's a it's even though we're still early in the s curve a lot of people i mean not early but sort of in the middle a lot of people are still nervous right they, they don't know what what's happening am i going to buy it and then you know my bitcoin's going to disappear 
but this KYC process actually helped and helped bring in a lot of people. So Canadian government took advantage of that and said, look, you guys already knew the KYC, so you know who these people are. If I get, if we gave you their names, you know, you could just freeze their assets. They can't, they can't withdraw any of their cryptocurrencies, neither can they um, deposit anything to buy more. And so I think the funniest one to me was when they reached out to Nunchuck, <laughs> which is a self-custody wallet. Um, and I think what it's the Ontario... Uh, Nunchuck. Yeah, go for it, Joel. I was going to say, it's a software that, that allows people to utilize... A software-hardware combo to, to essentially cust, self-custody your assets, right? So like, yeah. he's talking about centralized exchanges, right? What happens there is, like if I use Newton, they mm-hmm. control my wallet but they're sort of my custodian on my behalf. Nunchuck essentially is a company that helps me be the custodian of my wallet. Yeah. yeah. Like you can create your own. You can essentially need an email. You essentially need an email and then you create your own um, Bitcoin wallet and that's it. Like they can't do anything to it. It's, it's also similar to um, like a multi-sig wallet. If you, you know, multi-sig wallet, uh, there are multiple multi-sig wallets. Or hardware wallets where once you once the money goes that once your crypto goes to these wallets that's gone like you own it and you become your own bank like nobody can take that money from you doesn't matter Without unless they have their control uh, unless, of the the, the the custodian piece yeah so <laughs> the ontario supreme court or judge reached out and said hey can you free can you freeze the assets right i they they did it in a quote but they like can you freeze the assets of individuals who participate in the freedom convoy and Nunchuck mm. responded very cheekily and said you guys should google what self self custody wallets are and then when the canadian when the canadian dollar goes to zero we'll be here to help you is what they responded <laughs> with. um i think that was a tweet right because they actually a tw- had a full that- like letter that was like i don't yes. think you understand how crypto works yeah uh, that we actually intentionally help people so that this couldn't happen. Yeah, yeah. They wrote a full-on letter um, in response, which is so. I mean, I, I'm I applaud Nanchuk for doing that, um, and I wish more of the centralized crypto exchanges did it. But you know, I mean, I can see why it would be hard. But at the same time, the whole point of crypto, every I'm sure there are a few exceptions to this rule, but the majority of people who get or the early adopters of crypto, right? And these are the early adopters are the ones who ended up building some of these companies. They are almost always libertarian leaning, right? Somewhat distrusting of government. So then for them to participate in this tyrannical Canadian government request um, is concerning to say the least. But at the same time, I think for anybody who is participating in crypto and have been watching and have been on the sideline, this is a good time for you to realize, ah, that could be me whose assets gets frozen, right? And that could be me who once, not to go down a different rabbit hole, but once, you know, CBDC comes in, central, central, centralized central bank digital currencies come into play. That is terror. That that we go from banks being frozen and you can't move it for thirty days to actually you cannot support you can't you you are incapable of sending this money from your account to Darnell and Joel's six cent account because mm. we deem six cent account as a terrorist 
podcast group that that spews hate speech. So mm. it's it's impossible for me to send my digital currency because now the Canadian government has programmed it, put it in put it in code that I cannot. It's impossible for me to send money to you, and this is why crypto is actual crypto, not centralized crypto, is important for people to to get on board with. Obviously, learn about it, but I think this is a good indicator. Like we're at a we're at, we're at like um what's the word precipice mm-hmm. of a world where we can become more and more like China or less and less like China. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Sounds like a good idea for an episode. Yeah. So I mean, what we're we're getting close to wrapping up, and I'll, I'll tease what? Up. Well, not quite there yet, but we're getting close. <laughs> um, but I mean, me me and I, well, I, we'll we'll continue this uh, crypto deep dive a little bit in a, a, an exclusive on our uh, buy me a coffee page so if you're you're appreciating this we're going to dive a little bit deeper into it um oh but, boy but before we do i i, I want to touch on the cbdc stuff because i think you, what's funny is what we what society should actually want is the exact opposite of what central bank digital currencies are going to do mm-hmm. Well, Joel, why don't you save that for for the well, buy me a coffee? Well, because no, because I think it's it's good here. It's good in this conversation because okay, it's okay. not getting into the specifics just yet. But the point is this: what we if what we really really want, and what as a society, what we should call on is transparency of government spending. Mm, that is gonna that yes, right? But it's and, highly and, impossible. Well, but but on crypto, it's not. Yeah. Right, because public ledgers. So, if anything, what governments are trying to do with central bank digital currencies, which is control, monitor, and and have massive surveillance mm-hmm. of all of the citizen spending, is that what we actually want from politicians? Right, we want accountability. We want they're actually spending our money. So, if anything, we have a a claim to to know how it's spent. Mm-hmm. Right, so I would argue, or I should be prepared to defend against some claims regarding, let's call it government spying, you know, sort of defense type spending. Okay, there's maybe there's a there's an argument to be made that a section of government spending needed to be protected, mm. but with regards to the idea of what companies are getting bailed out, what companies are getting government funding, right? What where is our taxpayer corporate welfare going? Actually, going right. Right, that that mm-hmm. like, if you want success of a, and prosperity of a society, you want that type of spending to be held to account. Was it productive? Was it a good use of funds? But if we don't even have transparency in where it's going, it's very hard to ask those questions. And mm-hmm. and we all know politicians are are you know masters of the spin game because yeah. that's what it is. It's about selling what you did, not just doing the right thing. Yeah. And and so right. what's concerning is that we're going to with central bank digital currencies, what you're getting is not crypto. What yeah. you're getting is digital currencies, which we already have technically, right? But with digitally- the way our bank works, like Darnell yeah. said, right? How many people actually use cash? Most people just log into their account, pay their bills, use yeah. a credit card, right? There's use no credit card. It's it's PayPal literally it. a digital currency with very, very poor infrastructure yeah but now it's going to be programmable and that's a scary part 
where as they can opposed to crypto, which is a and and maybe IJ, you can speak to this a little bit, like the idea of open source or or open code that everybody can mm-hmm. see. It's so transparent. Yeah. Um, so why don't you? You know, we did a bit of an episode on crypto. So why don't you? Um, you know, for for the uh, maybe tease what me what we're gonna hash out a little bit more. Um, and and really, this conversation came from and and most so what we're gonna talk about in uh, the buy me coffee exclusive came from a Twitter back and forth with me and you regarding regulation and mm. innovation in crypto space. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll put that in the show notes page as well. But maybe you can speak to a little bit about you know the underlying technology and and you know as I said the the open source nature slash uh, transparency that comes along with most if not all crypto projects. Mm-hmm. Yes, I mean the 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 best way i guess the simplest way to understand crypto in terms of why the technology itself is revolutionary is that everything so web2 which is the world we live in right <clears throat> it helped a lot of people get rich through large companies big tech companies but the people who made the most money were the ones um were not the ones were not the users but the but the ones behind, but the ones who created the actual thing, and the users got very little share in the profit. Other Web. than the benefit of the the products, they, those yeah. Other than the benefit product. of the product, right? So, like, we're using it's, it's substantial. That's still an important thing to to recognize. Yeah, it it is very good because it allows us to be where we are now. Mm-hmm. Cost of and so, like, Facebook is the. I think Facebook is probably the best example for most people, and it's that anytime you use a free product on the internet you are the you are essentially the 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 cash cow right you are your data is being sourced out and being bought by other people whereas with 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 crypto what it allows you to do is it allows the network nodes people the users to become owners and participant share participant of the success of the product which has never really been there before so now you know, I'll give you a good example. There's the uh, Ethereum has Ethereum Foundation, which they have multiple projects. One of them is the ENS domains, which is like the .eth domain, um, which allows you or allows the person who owns an ETH domain to essentially own their own domain. So most people think, you know, like I have a website, ijmacon.com. I think I own it. I technically don't own it. GoDaddy owns it. GoDaddy can shut me off if they deem me to be reprehensible and have opinions that are against the government. They can turn my website off just like that, just like Shopify did uh, of some of the stores. Whereas like, with an like ETH, what Bill C ten B C eleven, I think is what it's now called, proposes for the government. Right, massive the, censorship of any yes, content they deem is not yes, Canadian enough. Yes, they could call up GoDaddy and say, "You're in our jurisdiction. We have legislation mm-hmm. that allows us to turn you off." Yep, that's it. Hundred percent. Yeah, thanks for bringing that up. That's actually a great point. Um, that's it. That's 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 it. So, and inside of Web two, which we are all existing in and thriving inside, in one sense, that's 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 what can happen. But inside of Web three, which is crypto, once you have an ETH domain, that's yours. It's not going anywhere. And so, the example of participating and getting and and get and being rewarded for being an early participant would be myself who i have an eth domain 
and I got it, you know, sometime last year. And as a result of me being an early participant in the ETH domain, I got rewarded ENS coins, just like hundreds and thousands of other people who were early adopters. And some people got paid a lot of money. Some people got significant, you know, right? But the cat, but the reward was like essentially you wake up one day and you have thousands of dollars in your MetaMask wallet, right? Because you participated and you were early adopter of that product. And that's the power of crypto in terms of actual network usage. But in terms of like, in terms of financial usage, I think, man, it's like you become your own bank. And I don't, I think it's hard for most of us to realize what that actually means because we are somewhat dependent and have always been dependent on somebody else or some other um, organization to manage our, our cash, right? And so that to become, it's a risk to become your own bank because let's say you lose your, you lose your seed wallet, a seed phrase, or you lose your private key, obviously that money's gone. Nobody's going to get it for you. Like it's gone. But also, it also gives you much greater power to use that money as you please. Money is not the right word here. Um, mm-hmm. Fun. Funds to use as you please. And the, yeah, so the, the program itself is, is powerful because it rewards the, net, the network nodes over, uh, over the centralized group yeah, that's in and, charge. And I think, I think just, you know, as we wrap, I'm going to wrap up after this, but I think, you know, drawing a parallel to, to Facebook, right? Because I think Facebook's a good example because Facebook, like distributed ledger technology or, or crypto in general, has the benefits are reaped as the network grows. Yeah. Right? And, and the difference being in Facebook's case, the users benefited purely based on their user experience growing because of the larger network. But they didn't reap in the wealth generation of the business that went along with it. That's right. And it might have been, oh, I started a group. I started all these things that mm-hmm. Facebook was exploiting to draw more yeah. people in, but I, I was the product, and so I you received no benefit. Whereas in crypt- crypto distributed ledgers, as you're describing, well, by me investing my time my efforts by you know obviously i may have to pay a little bit to sort of participate right i'm i'm guessing maybe you had to spend a little bit of eth to get your eth domain as opposed to just getting it for free mm-hmm. but now as the network grew you actually are reaping in the growth or the benefits exactly um and so the system itself is is actually designed and and I mean, there's crypto economics and different, you know, uh, token ec- economics or different terms thrown around. But part of it is that there's a there's a let's say rather than crypto, which partners with government, as, or sorry, rather than Facebook and Google, which we see partner with government as a partially a means for them to grow their network effects, the crypto distributed ledgers are partnering with the users to incentivize the users to help grow the network in a manner that benefits the users as well as the entire network as a whole. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I just thought sort of layering what you said with, with sort of the Facebook contrast because there's such a parallel in the network effect or the network size having an impact on the value uh, of, of these 
systems or, or uh, companies in the case of Facebook. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you said it very well. So um, for, I mean, as we're going we're gonna to transition into uh, a little crypto special, you know, uh, deep dive uh, for, for, you know, our Buy Me a Coffee exclusive. And again, that'll be in the show notes page. Um, when this episode comes out, uh, the, 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 let's call it part two of the conversation, uh, will probably come out a couple of days later. So this is going to come out on, uh, March 11th on Friday morning. Um, I would say by middle of the following March 16th or if, or maybe a little bit earlier, uh, the part two of our conversation will be on, uh, buy me a coffee. So for anyone subscribed, uh, you'll get access, uh, for AJ or IJ for the listener, um, where can they reach out to you? I mean, you already mentioned IJMakin.com. Um, All right. Uh, Twitter, you know, Twitter is IJMakin, I-J-M-A-K-A-N. You can DM me. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, I'm, I'm on Twitter. Cool. Tweet. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Those are, that's the best way to reach out with you. Okay, so we'll, yeah. we'll put that in the show notes page. But you heard me? Does that make sense? Madden and Mitchell Media. <laughs>